It seemed that entrepreneurship and spirituality were in conflict. But they were mistaken. There is a profound art to building high-performance business that expands the soul. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what we are here to explore. This is the Pure Power Podcast. I am your host, Oliver Philbock. Welcome. And we are live. A big welcome to our listeners. I am your host and your caveman, Oliver, and I'm excited to be taking you on this journey here with us today. And we have a very special guest here with me who is a dear friend, a very powerful entrepreneur, a visionary, and also a man who really embodies a lot of beautiful qualities that I aspire to and that I look up to, Matt Richards. Thank you so much for having me, brother. Yeah, it's it's such a joy. Thank you for your availability. Thank you for making it. Thank you for having me. How's things over there? You're right now in Boulder, I understand, in Colorado. I am. Yeah, I'm in, in Boulder. I spent summers in Boulder and the rest of the time in Costa Rica. Yeah, very good. We actually met in Costa Rica in the meeting place of jungle and beach. So I think over there in Boulder right now, you have a climate that's a bit more easy to sit and to be podcasting with than what we would be encountering right now in, in Costa Rica. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful <laughs> here for sure. So Matt, I would love for you to kick us off by actually talking a little bit about yourself. Who is Matt Richards? Yeah, I'm, I'm a guy who's building a project in the world. You know, I am a product of my experiences and my fellow travelers, and I'm another wanderer who uh, found his way into a particular purpose, and I'm happy to share about that. Beautiful. And we are meeting here today to speak about leaving the cave, uh, so referring back to Plato back then, this story of prisoners in the cave who can only see the shadows of reality on the wall and they think that this is the actual reality but then once they get up they notice that actually there was a whole different world available all the time yeah? but it just took a different viewpoint to see what's going on and i know from our conversations that you have had a profound moment of actually several profound moments of leaving your cave or different caves perhaps even and finding new vantage points would you like to share a bit about your leaving the cave experience and your and your story? Yeah, sure. Thank you. So my my first real leaving the cave moment, I would say, was when I was about 29 and decided to leave my very cushy, comfortable corporate job in Silicon Valley and go back to school and study sustainability. I had checked all the boxes that society gave me. I was, you know, successful. I had a beautiful girlfriend, a house in the middle of San Francisco, nice car. I was just, you know, I, I checked all those boxes that I was sort of given by the media and society. And yeah, what culture told me was like, okay, now you're a success, right? And it felt, it just felt empty. It felt shallow. Like it didn't feel infused with what I felt like life should feel like. And so thankfully... I found the courage to just say, okay, well, I'm going to make a big change then and ended up going back to school in Denmark at a place called Roskilde, which is just outside of Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. uh, we went there because my 
girlfriend at the time was half Danish and she got school for free. So we kind of got like a two for one deal. Nice. And yeah. <laughs> she ended up actually staying through and, and doing the whole program and still lives there in Copenhagen. But for me, I ended up doing one year of a master's program and I was learning how to craft policy and regulation for sustainable development for the EU essentially. And so I was mm -hmm. learning how to you know, be a cog in a fairly large machine, right? And it just so happened that COP15 was actually happening that year in Copenhagen, which is the meeting for, you know, climate policymakers around the world to come together to discuss things, right? And, you know, Obama was flying in and Greenpeace was there. And it was just this huge, huge event that was culminating in, what I thought was going to be the moment where we changed the world, you know, and I was learning to be a part of that machine that's going to change the world. Right. And he came and the event happened and nothing. It was just silence, crickets, like just apathy and defeat were in the streets. It was, I, in, I just felt like just the wind go out of my sails. And I was like, man, once again, I'm not headed in the right direction, you know? Mm -hmm. And so thankfully I still had quite a bit more time during that first year. And I started learning about decentralized ways of empowerment, decentralized ways of creating that more beautiful world. Right. And so two things that really stuck out for me during my studies, while I was writing a paper about the properties of money and their effect on the environment. Some other topics took my interest, in particular permaculture and community. And so I really, I just took the tuition money that I was going to spend on the next two years, at least, of my master's program and decided to travel around the world mm -hmm. and live in and study permaculture projects and communities. In particular, I found those to be very interesting for a few reasons. Uh, permaculture is really, as the name implies, about creating permanency of culture. Right. And community is about creating, from my perspective, connection. And in the context of permaculture is about adding a degree of a specialization to our lives, which is not so present mostly in permaculture homesteading situations where people have a high degree of generalization, where they're doing so many different things. It's actually very easy to get burned out mm -hmm. as a homesteader doing a lot of permaculture. So when we're each playing our own part within community, the idea is that we can create that more beautiful world while also nourishing ourselves and connecting ourselves so mm. beautiful yeah so there's already a couple of leaving the cave sequence here i would say yeah kind of graduating from one environment into the next one and from what i'm hearing it sounds as if like i almost get this visual of concentric circles that keep expanding and kind of like a spiral shape mm. where you mm. attain certain skills in every stage And in every cave, let's say, to stay with the example, in every cave that you were in, you got into the technology at first in Silicon Valley. Then afterwards, you learned about policy. Then in the next cave, you added the permaculture 
piece. And mm -hmm. it seems as if with every circle, you are kind of building back on the fundaments that you had learned previously. Yeah. So almost like building a layer cake. Would that be accurate to say? Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, that's very accurate. Yeah. And You know, it's, it feels like for me personally, that's definitely been my journey, especially through that part of my life. It felt like just adding different things onto the layer cake. And then actually just about a year later that after that, I started my spiritual path. You know, I, I found Vipassana, which informed the next few years of my development. And from there it was about taking parts of the layer cake <laughs> off actually <laughs> eating so, the cake yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah beautiful yeah. i love yeah. this because i can relate also very much in my own experience back when i had my kind of big leaving the cave moment similar timing and i left behind my finance career to move to india and the whole shebang i thought that i would forever turn my back on the financial world and i would kind of never touch it again and i thought this is complete But then it took a little bit of time until it came back to me and I realized actually that I can use the gifts and I can use what I had learned in a new context and kind of with a new understanding and vision to actually make something very beautiful. Yeah, I was actually just having a, a conversation with a friend yesterday about this turn. And, you know, it's, it's like the, the impulse in myself when I took this turn is like, I just, I'm throwing the baby out with the bathwater because mm -hmm. just like, forget about it. Right? right. You know? And then we start to see, Oh, okay. Like also from an integral perspective, there's actually, there's a baby there. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to bring it back and I'm going to integrate this beauty that is actually extremely useful and serves me and others back into my life and into my expression. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, and you then went on to actually create one of the most important organizations within the crypto space, no? Was it based off of this taking the baby back in uh, or how did that come, come into existence? And maybe you want to share just a few words about your, your, your involvement in the space uh, just to give context. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned earlier that I wrote this paper about the properties of money and their effect on the environment. And mostly that paper was about uh, value exchange and flow and things like demurrage and community currencies and that type of thing. And there was just this weird, cute little nerdy experiment called Bitcoin back in 2010 that, you know, some geeks were playing around with. And I was like, okay, whatever, like, cool. And then I kind of put it on the sidelines and then I watched the chart and having a little bit of a background from, from my twenties of like playing with Forex trading, I thought, Oh, that looks like a classic ascending triangle. I'm going to <laughs> <laughs> start playing in this. And from that I started, I just actually went down a really deep rabbit hole, another one. So another layer of the circle, actually, it's, I guess you could say, and yeah, really found a lot of beauty in the value proposition of blockchain in general, which I believe to be about bringing various degrees of transparency as it serves and a certain degree of, yeah, accountability, you know, in particular to public institutions where at the moment they're not, but I still believe in the power of blockchain. 
to accomplish that. And that's why I got involved with MakerDAO in the first place, which at the moment when I, when I got involved, it was just a, another cute little project on Reddit mm-hmm. where people were meeting on Ventrilo to talk about governance and what something like that could be. Right. And I, at the, at that time, I was looking into creating a transparent system of accounting that could integrate with uh, supply chains such that we could actually see where products were coming from and have a, a better idea instead of just like a label of organic. We'd have a much higher degree of understanding of where product comes from and what's involved in, in creating it. And there's degrees of that now available, but I think we also have a ways to go. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was not possible without a stable store of value from my perspective at that time. So I heard about MakerDAO, started to get involved. And before I knew it, I was the president and COO responsible for taking a a couple of crazy programmers and landing that into form, essentially, you know, taking this like absolutely gorgeous, beautiful, (laughs) wild vision of the future and taking this, you know, revolutionary technology, which was Ethereum and actually building some of the first functional smart contracts on that platform, Mm -hmm. which was a pretty tall order because it was in the smoldering ashes of some might remember something called the DAO. So the DAO was, it was a DAO for a few minutes or a few hours. I I forget how long until it was brutally hacked and, and just, I mean, talk about air going out of, you know, not only like a project, but a whole ideology basically collapsed when, when that happened. And so we actually were thinking about just letting go of the, the DAO moniker entirely and just like mm-hmm. rebranding to something. Thankfully, we kept it and it's, it's uh, lived on in the ecosystem. But yeah, I'm really grateful for the time that I spent there. Uh, as you know, it's not just a stable store of value, but the stable store of value is created by depositing a, an asset in particular at the first that meant Ethereum. And then the user gets to take out their USD pegged asset, which is something we call DAI, D-A-I. So yeah, it's now the, one of the backbones of decentralized finance and, you know, arguably one of the more decentralized forms of value exchange available right yeah do you feel that was your way of closing the barack obama and silence chapter afterwards and kind of just taking it on yourself to give more power into organizations to actually shape life and shape their environments yeah you know i'd been doing up until then a lot of experiencing i'd been just taking in, as you say, like adding layers to the cake, just a lot in many different directions. And I was just getting really bored, frankly, Mm. with that, you know, and wanted to actually root something and create something beautiful that was meaningful. And I'd been swimming in those circles for quite some time. And yeah, so that really provided an an opportunity to really challenge myself in a way that I I hadn't been up until that point to really step into into leadership in a way that I hadn't until that point and really find the courage, you know, because that's really what it was about was just being like, okay, I, I guess I can do this. I'm going to, I'm going to try and (laughs) see what happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How did you, so 
I know many, I've met many entrepreneurs. I've also supported many entrepreneurs who came into this deeper vision that you also described. They're kind of starting to pick up spiritual practice. They're discovering their beingness, yeah, consciousness and, and depth. But then this question comes of, okay, now, now what? Yeah. <laughs> like I have my layer cake. I'm starting to kind of eat it away and decompose it through practice. But how did you take this choice to engage with this project? And like, how did this whole process for you unfold? Because I know many people are struggling with this. Yeah? It feels like the old somehow isn't really valid anymore. The new is not yet fully birthed. And then what do they do? Yeah, it's a really beautiful question. Well, I can't really speak to what they should do, mm-hmm. but what worked for me was creating space. You know, really, it was about creating enough distance from the noise of of the machine, you know, what I thought I should be doing and the steps that I should be doing and just, yeah, sitting on a beach for a while, you know, and visiting places and being in connection with other people and other ideas and new experiences, which created a sense of possibility and yeah, the possibility to even understand that, that a new world was possible because it didn't seem really possible for me when I was very much within that matrix. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I had many more perspectives from other people who were speaking different languages on different continents in different contexts, I really started to see like, okay, things are radically different from culture to culture and from, you know, ecosystem to ecosystem. The world is what we make of it. You know, whether that's what we're making, you know, as bystanders in a culture or the actors that are actively creating a culture. Mm -hmm. And so when I had that context, it was much easier for me to follow my discernment to a place where I had the courage to embody that change, where I really was able to step into into the place of, of confidence of like, okay, right. I'm willing to put it all on the line because I know that something more beautiful is possible and I'm willing to step into the risk, frankly, mm-hmm. that that mm. will take in order to birth something more beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. And I'm wondering, what did you feel your relationship to be you mentioned the space aspect so really taking space in order for you to also come to new visions and just kind of clear the slate but then at some point there came a point where you needed to take a fierce choice actually and just really step it up and like boom claim it claiming the stage sort of thing how did you perceive this shift coming from because it almost kind of seemed like two extremes right one is kind of leaned back and you're attracting things into your life. And then the other one is a very kind of masculine forward leaning, like boom, let's go sort of, sort of an attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you feel the dance between the two? Yeah. It's like breathing, you know, it's just sort of like a, like an exhaling and just letting it, it all out, letting it all be, letting it all go. Right. And, and just, having the which is something i think that i only really got from meditation was just this ability to just be with myself 
to a certain degree mm-hmm. um, where I can, and it's still an ongoing challenge, of course, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but starting down that path really helped me to just provide that spaciousness, you know, and just to goof off as well, just to like, to say like, I need some time to sit on a beach in Thailand as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I'm in between visiting, you know, permaculture projects and just not be in and of all the things, like not care if there's a gap on my LinkedIn resume, you know, <laughs> uh, right. really like, you know, that was like a serious conversation I had to have yeah. with myself, you know, and to just be like, forget it. You know, like that's, I'm just not going to care about that anymore. And I'm just going to see what happens. And I'm going to trust myself if I have this higher good that I know to be true in my heart, my subjective experience of that, that if I follow that, even if that means just breathing out and being away from everything until I can find that clarity in myself to then breathe in and find that from a place of calculated risk, from Mm -hmm. a place of discernment to find that power and the courage to move forward into uncharted territory, right? Mm. Because that's what it is, is really moving into a place of the unknown, into the mystery, whatever you want to call it. And it requires, from at least from my perspective, in my history, my journey, it's required a lot of calculated risk, you know, for the, like, okay, like, I want to do this thing, but what happens if I fuck it up, right? You know? <laughs> right. Um, and... Yeah. So going down that uh, internal spreadsheet is also, it's, it's an important part of it, right? <laughs> the pro-con list. Yeah. yeah. What am I putting at stake? I love it. And uh, even what you mentioned around the LinkedIn profile and these kinds of considerations kind of feel like just another cave, yeah? Like leaving behind some degree of societal expectation and the whole shebang, and instead finding a deeper grounding inside your own heart, as you described it, to just know, okay, this right now feels right, it feels true, it feels authentic, and that doesn't. And it's almost like building a different compass that doesn't go so much by external kind of circumstance, but that is really more based inside in a, in a simple yes and no, uh, ultimately. Yeah, exactly. And I really had to see through the illusions that were given to me by culture, by society, I had to see them as the filters that they are and see like, this is, this doesn't make sense. Actually, this is not true in terms of like what it means to be a full, Mm -hmm. joyous, happy, you know, productive human being. I had to really see that during that first leaving the cave that I mentioned, I think in order to find the, the confidence to follow my own internal compass and stop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. referencing outside. Was that a difficult process to see these illusions? Uh, how did that go for you? <laughs> I'm laughing because I want to make a joke about it being <laughs> just fine. It was totally fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, no, obviously it was not fine. It was a, it was a huge grieving process, right? You know, I was leaving my country. I left my friends I left a, a huge, I left my life, you know, I left so much, I left my family, I left so much behind to search for something that would give me joy and purpose, right? And that was, it was a massive shift 
I think that I justified to myself in many ways is like, oh, it's temporary. I'll be right back. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just going to go off and do this thing and then I'm going to come back. And of course, that didn't happen. It sent me on this whole huge other trajectory that did, in retrospect, completely change my life for, for the yeah. better. But it was like a massive, massive, massive shift, right? And there were moments there as I was sitting <laughs> in the middle of winter in Denmark and I was just thinking, what am, what am I doing? You know, mm-hmm. like, did, like I gave it. I gave it all away and I'm sitting here watching my bank account drain and for what, you know, there's definitely some serious come to Jesus moments there where you have to, you know, just, yeah, find that clarity. I started to really find that clarity inside even then where I was like, okay, like, I know that's not it. I know it's not. So something else has to be you know, and yeah, part of the journey as well, I'll speak to this real quick, was for me really about decoupling the notion of happiness being tied to financial prosperity. I really, really believed that these things were the same thing, essentially. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't until I really pushed myself, I traveled around as a woofer. I don't know if folks know what that is, but it's a, a willing worker on an organic farm. So I lived, uh, right. yeah, yeah. I lived in the south of France. I lived in in India, actually in Oroville, in a reforestation project. I learned to understand what it was to live on less than a dollar a day at the whim of somebody else and what their needs were, and to get in touch with myself and my internal state, and see that actually, like, I can be pretty happy, like even much happier than I was back with my Silicon Valley mm-hmm. job, right. doing yeah. all the things, you know, as I should, in a, mm-hmm. you know, in a more quote unquote powerful position, but actually felt completely powerless in that situation in many, many ways. But here I am tending goats in the South of <laughs> France and feeling alive, feeling connected, feeling like my erotic body come to life in a way like that wider sense of the erotic body, right. In a way that I'd never, never experienced before just sitting there with a stick in my hand in the grass, you know, it was, (laughs) it was so beautiful, you know? And then I think also from that understanding of that, these things are related, you know, to a certain degree and then they're rather orthogonal actually, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from that understanding, that embodied understanding, letting that filtering go, it also gave me a lot of confidence to step into situations where I was a lot less afraid to to lose it all, you know, to put more chips on the table, you know. Yeah. Yeah, powerful, powerful. I'd love to extract that for the listener. I know that there are many people who feel that somehow there's a a bit of a shackle, yeah. Somehow something doesn't feel quite right, but then exactly to lean into this phase of transformation, which you also described as a quite cathartic and difficult phase, obviously brings a lot of resistance for people. And then all these things that you described of, oh, what about the money? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to downgrade my living standard? Da, 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 da. This whole mental thing that plays is obviously a i mean that's right there for many people the, the shackle right the, the mm-hmm. thing that binds them to the spot 
And maybe just an encouragement to extract here from our conversation. It may not be easy to leave and to lean into something else. Uh, and then at the same time, as we can see in your example, it leans into so much more and it all somehow ends up coming back together uh, even more powerfully than, than anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. The word that is coming to me is comfort. You know, we live in a, in a society where we, you know, we worship on a number of different altars, but certainly comfort is, is way up there. And I think absolutely, it, it is such a shackle. It really is. You know, it wasn't until I was living on less than a dollar a day in India, you know, sometimes having my, it's, I kid you not, like my toe got nibbled one time by like a massive rat when I was living in oh. this little like hut basically on a reforestation project, uh-huh. you know, but I was super happy, you know, I yeah. was really, I was so connected and from all levels of comfort at you, as you might think about it, I was so uncomfortable actually, mm-hmm. like just completely at the mercy of the environment and the whims of my manager at that yeah. time. And, and I felt really free. You know, I think there's a tension between freedom, like true sovereign freedom and comfort, right? And so we're in this internal dialogue about like, how much am I willing to lean into letting go of my Mm -hmm. needs for comfort and, and sometimes security even, and in order to get that feeling of freedom and the power that comes with that right Right. and and possibility of course which comes from that yeah yeah on that note there's something that keeps blowing my mind every time that i see it and every time i think i understood it but the next time it happens i'm again mind blown which also happened in your case from what i hear yeah it's like this letting go of the need for financial stability and kind of cash coming in and things like this. But then what tends to happen, and I've seen it so often with entrepreneurs, also in my own history, the moment that there's this deep letting go and then a willingness to still fully engage with the world and to take on the next project, it actually comes in really thick. (laughs) It's like just opening the floodgates actually. And Suddenly, okay, we just said, I don't need the comfort. And now the cash is rolling in. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I think probably if I had to say why that's happening, I'd have to go to like some sort of like cosmic soul initiation level, mm-hmm. which who knows, right? But that's certainly how it happened for me. You know, that's certainly how it how it fell into place yeah yeah and what we didn't yet share is actually the final step of your journey because you left MakerDAO and you're now building an incredible project in in Costa Rica which feels to me just like the culmination of all the circles that we've been talking about where it's all kind of coming together all the aspects that you mentioned would you like to share us about this final, for now, I guess? Yeah, this <laughs> Hopefully not final, final but yes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this moment of, again, kind of coming into a, d- a different vantage point, a different perspective? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So 
I'm building a project in Costa Rica. It's near Nosara and it's called Tierra Mor with just one A, one word. And it's 500 acres and it's in the mountains just above Nosara. And it's a project which is dedicated to deliberate transformation and the healing of separation, separation of the self, separation from other, and separation from the environment. So the way that we actually look at that from a coding perspective is we have three pillars. One is ascending, where we're connecting with the self, descending, where we're connecting with the other, and regenerative. That's where we're connecting with nature. And yeah, it's in its fairly early stages right now. We closed on the land on Thanksgiving of 21. And it's been a process of having, you know, retreats already actually on the land. We've got, you know, some casitas there and uh, we'll be building a maloca very soon. And yeah, it's unfolding in a very beautiful way in an organic way and that's been sort of like the phase zero the the beginning of the the project and we're about to step into a new phase phase one which is uh, where we're actually going to welcome in residents to live at the at the space and build the village and the downtown and the big descendant temple and a uh, yeah a new phase for the project Really exciting. And yeah. Sophia and I had the, the pleasure and the honor to visit you there. And you invited us to see the land on horseback. And we were, we were there exploring and watching the sunset there from the mountaintop. And it's really, I mean, it's incredible. And I don't know whether the listener can understand the scale of the project just from hearing 500 hectare, but it's a massive project. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're basically building a, a town almost, yeah, we can, we can say, with an incredible school structure uh, that you have planned where you have the architect coming from um, somehow a very well-known architect, as I remember, and just really a, a full-on, almost like, correct me if I'm wrong, but almost a bit like taking the MakerDAO vision out of the virtual reality and just kind of combining it with the permaculture aspect and bringing it into into the physical like on a on a big scale is that accurate yeah you, you could say that you know one correction i would make is that it's 500 acres for now it's not 500 ah, hectares right. we have the option yeah. to get another 700 which would bring it to 1200 acres but anyway, right just for the listeners yeah it is very much uh, analogous in that it's about you know creating something new uh, which is not within the existing system, right? And it's about, for us, creating an acupuncture point for a new culture, for a new society to emerge, right? And Buckminster Fuller, his famous quote, I think we most of us know, is in order to create something new, make the existing thing obsolete, right? And so the way that we're looking at doing that is making a more connected life a more connected world, a more way connected way of being, which is deliberately transformational in its just in its essence, in its rhythm, making that fun, making that sexy, making that a a wonderful life, which is 
which is rich with meaning and is abundant in a physical perspective, but also a social and cultural perspective mm-hmm. and is, is a joy to live in, you know, and it's, uh, I've seen it in different forms in, you know, my travels around the world in different communities. I've seen amazing beauty. I didn't think was possible in many different forms and in, in usually one pillar or the other. So I would see like a spiritual community that was just like so gorgeous in their, in their heart connection and their connection to spirit. Or I would see a permaculture community, which just was like uh, just teeming with abundance and so fun and creative and experimental or, you know, an open relating community that was really pushing the edges of what was possible in terms of, you know, connection and family and all the different things. And I, I thought, wow, you know, these are all really beautiful in their own way, but none of them really feels complete. It didn't feel like there was like really like a tantric embodiment of what it means to be a human. And so I felt myself in each one of these communities somehow limited and uh, not really fully free to express all of myself. And so then it didn't just, it, it didn't resonate to really live there, to really root down and be like, this is home, you know? And so there was actually another grieving process, <laughs> you know, another sort of leaving the cave moment where I was like, okay, you know, I'm not, I haven't found it in all these other beautiful places. Mm-hmm. I have to do this myself, you know? Yeah. I have you know, I have to I have to take all these learnings that I found and just create this more beautiful world myself and, and bring others along for the ride. And it, yeah, it's really been a joy since then, frankly, you know, that of course it doesn't come without its, its speed bumps and, and things. And, and it's all just part of the ride. You know, it's, I didn't really think honestly internally <laughs> that it was that good of an idea <laughs> until <laughs> until I started to get a lot of positive reinforcement uh-huh. from outside and then I just sort of followed that positive reinforcement and then all of a sudden here here I am you know yeah. it's like yeah. it's just people are lit up by the idea and, and by what's actually happening there and so yeah incredible yeah. yeah that really that really touches me um this decision that you just outlined of Okay, now I went into the world, I made myself empty so many times, left caves uh, and learned wisdom, learned teachings. And now is the moment to actually take it and to really bring it into reality and to make my own, which Mm -hmm. really matches everything, everything that you have learned and integrates it all into one, uh, into one big project. So very, very beautiful. And I'm really excited to see it, to see it flourishing. And I feel that's a good moment for us to yeah, land the plane yeah? <laughs> and land our little journey here. Is there still something that you would like to comment on this before we move on to uh, the three leaving the cave questions that I'm going to be asking uh, every interviewee in the end uh, of our time? But is there still something that you would like to say in closing around this journey? No, this is, I mean, this feels good around, around the journey of, I mean, of course there's more that I can say, right. But like, this is, this, yeah. this feels good for now. Yeah. Good. Yeah. 
So the three questions, uh, question number one, and we've been speaking already a lot about this, but just to see if we can land it into a short articulation. What do you feel to be your life's purpose, your life's big purpose? Yeah, in, in, in short, it's to play my small part in creating that more beautiful world that I know within my heart is possible, just to take the words from Charles Eisenstein, who's been a huge influence of mine. That's really what I am called to do, you know, and I have my own version of that. And I, I just feel really blessed and, and grateful to be able to, to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Question number two, do you have any recommendations for other founders who find themselves in a similar moment in their lives where they're looking to make a big shift? Maybe they just exited their companies or maybe they start to feel this tension in their life that we have been speaking about. Do you have anything that you would like to, to give to them? Yeah. I mean, I think I spoke to it, you know, previously a little bit, but I really, I'm a huge fan <laughs> a big believer in, in just creating space in, in our life, whatever that looks like to you, you know, whatever that, whatever flavor really feeds you. But in that process, just make sure that you're starting to become more in touch with your own internal compass and you're not being led by the stories and the patterns and the conditioning that are everywhere in our lives. Right. So I've done a lot of silent retreats in my life, maybe probably in excess of 25 weeks in the past few years. And every time I'm always blown away by how nourished I feel, how confronted I am during the process always. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, how clear I am in what my next steps are. Right. Yeah. And then finally, is there something that you would like to invite the listener into? Yeah, perhaps in Tierra Mor or an experience that you would like to invite people into. This would be the space to, to make that invitation. Yeah. Thank you. So we're having a retreat. It starts on November 12th of 2023, depending on when you're listening to this. And it's going to be two week immersion. We're calling it uh, passage to presence. And we're exploring all three of those poles that I mentioned, the pillars and starting with silence and then moving into connection with nature via, you know, ritual, but also really hands-on in the dirt permaculture learning, and then moving into connection with other culminating in a temple night at the end of the experience. Sounds delightful. Yeah, that yeah. sounds delightful. And so we will put your contact details and also the link to the retreat into the show notes. So anybody who feels a calling and feels uh, attracted in their hearts, just uh, check it out yeah, and get in contact with Matt. Maybe just final word, how, how can people find you best? What's the best way for people to get in, in touch with you? Ah, yeah. So I have an Instagram account. I don't post prolifically there but i i am on the on the uh the platform so you're welcome to message me there if, if called and um you, know, you can also just send a message to contact at tiramore and, and we can go from there 
Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So Matt, thank you so much for being here. It's been uh, an enormous pleasure and an honor to host you, to hear you, to talk with you, to share uh, in this delightful journey. And thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Blessings, Matt. Thank you, and brother. Blessings, everybody. Uh, we shall see you soon on the next episode.